One of the biggest concerns for leaders in community-focused organisations is the well-being of their staff. From the Top 5 Movement, this is a leading generous teams podcast, and I'm Claire Desira. As the founder of the Top 5 Movement, I've worked with thousands of leaders and their teams across 40 countries. And while I've seen how exciting it is to lead teams, it can also be extremely challenging, let alone right now. The pandemic has had a seismic impact on community-focused organisations and it's taking its toll on the people working within them. So this show is dedicated to you, generous leaders who recognise that the resilience, mindset and mental health of your teams has never been more important. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. And if you're ready to start building your team's resilience or to help them reset, refuel and recharge, head on over to top5movement.com and see what we have to offer. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of Leading Generous Teams. Today, our guest is the wonderful Claire Robbs, CEO of Life Without Barriers. Life Without Barriers is one of Australia's largest charitable organisation and supports around 25,000 people each year in the areas of disability support, aged care, mental health, drug and alcohol services, services for refugees and people seeking asylum, and support for some of Australia's most vulnerable children, young people and families in the child protection system in out-of-home care. During the pandemic, Claire was sought out by various government committees to provide guidance and advice on the impact of COVID on vulnerable people in our communities, like the Charities Crisis Cabinet. Claire has so much to share with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Well, thank you. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's so incredible to have you here and someone with your huge amount of experience. And over the last 10 years, I know you've developed Life Without Barriers to become one of Australia's largest disability providers and also one of Australia's most trusted social purpose organisations. Tell us about the impact of the pandemic on your day-to-day leadership. Yes, well, goodness gracious, the impact of the pandemic um, was definitely uh, the most talked about um, item, I think, in my life for the last, um, you know, 18 months or so now. So I like to really lead in line with the values at Life Without Barriers. It's really aligned to my own values. And one of the primary uh, parts in there is that we value relationships. So we really believe that relationships come first. And that's relationships with the people that we support, relationships with each other, relationships with our partners. And all of that really relies a lot on face-to-face engagement to be able to form and foster relationships. So as you can imagine, therefore, the COVID-19 and the pandemic had a huge impact on my day-to-day leadership. So really in March 2020, we um, started with our pandemic plan and we had our national emergency management team. And we always like to think that we worked really fast and agile at Life Without Barriers. But to be honest, um, I think we've proven to ourselves over the last 18 months that actually we were maybe a little bit slower before than we thought because we've had to really spin on a dial and tackle lots of challenges that have been really adaptive and we've had to do that without having the benefit of lots of that really great face-to-face time that we normally have that helps you work through things in that close contact with your colleagues or your partners so doing everything sort of online and remotely was a massive impact I think to my leadership and to be honest to everyone that I really speak with 
We then, you know, we had to really get much better as an organization at prioritizing our work. So I'm very good as a chief executive at saying yes and really having a can-do. I'm not always quite as good at reprioritizing and accepting that we maybe can't do the things that I wanted to do. But the pandemic really forced that because there was no way that this organization, particularly because we care for so many thousands of people across the community every day, that would um, be really health impacted in their health and well-being. Um, through COVID, we couldn't just continue on with our business plan and all of our intentions and pretend like the world hadn't changed. So we had to really strictly reprioritize our work. But that actually was a fantastic discipline because now we realize that actually that was a really sensible skill for us to build and to get better at. And that's something that we've taken away as a strength out of the the management of the pandemic. Thank you for sharing that. So many organizations and leaders I'm talking to are really enjoying that reflecting on what they'll take forward. And it sounds like that prioritizing will be a big one for you and your team. Definitely, definitely. And Claire, you talk about relationships and I know you're connected through the organisation to many people in government and the community and other community organisations, but you also have a team of 8,000 people and 3,000 foster and kinship carers. So tell me, what have you done to help the mindset, resilience and mental health of of your team during this time? Yeah, look, um, worrying about the resilience and well-being of all of the people that we support and the people that do the supporting so our staff and our foster carers has definitely been on my mind and often in the wee hours of the morning through the whole pandemic and you know I think it's fair to say probably the biggest concern and the biggest risk that we've been trying to manage as an organization so even though And even though people have had real struggles, and we've definitely had people that have been hugely impacted in their well-being and mental health as a result of the pandemic, actually, my goodness, the Life That Buyers community have been totally amazing. And, you know, you just um, reflect back on what our frontline staff and our foster cares and our corporate staff have been able to do to really support each other, to keep the care for the people we support in the community going. And you just think, wow. Oh my goodness, I am I've got to be the luckiest chief executive in Australia. And I think look, some of the things that we've tried to do is we've really genuinely cared and taken the approach that we're all in this together. So it didn't matter if one jurisdiction was in lockdown or had COVID and another didn't. We just we treated like everyone the same. We were all in this together and lent in as a whole national team. You know, we had targeted well-being programs, and but that meant different for our frontline staff who were had full PPE you know, masks, gloves, gowns for a whole shift. Their challenges, really, our wellbeing program had to target that, which was completely different to some of our corporate teams who were maybe working in an isolated situation, you know, at home and not being in the office, which again was completely different to foster carers who had young people in their care or children in their care who weren't able to access school, which was an extra um, sort of disruption for kids that often already have so much to deal with in life. So we really had to try to target the well-being for all the different needs of the diversity in LWB and lean on our strengths. And that meant that we did lots of phoning from Queensland down to Victoria so that we could connect people up across jurisdictions and share the energy and optimism 
from some people who weren't living in restrictions or with COVID and share that with others who are having a harder time. And we also um, sent care packs to our homes, so to our houses with people with a disability, to our foster carers and other places we supported. We sent lots of care packs with um, you know, handy things to help you manage in lockdown, but also lots of kind of well-meaning wishes from the team across the country as well. So I think, look, we tried really hard to know that the most important thing for us with the health and well-being of our clients and our staff and our foster cares, and we kept that as the driving force through all of this. And all in all, um, we get really good feedback from people about the fact that we were there for them through the journey and that we were there for them when they really needed it. Thank you for sharing that, Claire. It sounds like that connection and relationships, again, a couple of things that you've touched on really valuing came to the fore and and were the most important things. Definitely, definitely. And and I think leaning on that and naming it back to our values of relationship, we were able to say to people, this is who we are. This is how we do our business. We're in line with our values. Relationships come first. We're good at that. So let's get in the business of caring for people. Claire, it's really easy for anyone that's meeting you for the first time as they're listening to to be able to sense this energy and infectious enthusiasm and kind of can-do attitude as you've touched on. But you've been working in this space for more than 20 years, 20 years in human services and community sector, and, and that began in frontline service delivery. So I'd imagine that's taken a lot of energy and resilience over the years. And I'm just curious about what are some of your non-negotiables to maintain and build your own mental health and mindset? Look, great question about, you know, 20 years working in human services and, you know, seeing a lot of amazing, wonderful things in that time, but also a lot of sadness and a lot of hurt. And so it can wear on leaders. And so thinking about how you maintain your energy and your, your hope and your resilience through that, for me, the big one is relationship. I really, I give a lot to my relationships with my family, my friends, my colleagues, my partners, and I get tons from it. So leaning on relationships always really matters. I know that if I'm kind of sitting there sometimes thinking, what's, um, like, what's this about? You know, what impact am I having? What difference does this really all make? If I actually engage with someone, be that on the phone or even better, if I can go out and visit what we're actually doing on the ground, boy, oh boy, that's where I get my energy from. And, and I think that really it matters to know where you get that from because the risk, I think, in this industry and lots of other industries is, you know, you get below the zero mark on your battery power because you do lots of giving. And you're always trying as chief executive to hold the hope, hold the organization and and create that safe place for people to really be their best selves and bring their best selves. And that takes a huge amount of energy. So recognizing, I think, for me, where I am on that, knowing I don't want to go below my own zero battery level, and I've got to kind of plug in to recharge myself. And for me, that's definitely to my relationships. Claire, I love that the analogy that you've used around zero battery and recharging, that, that's a message that we really share with a lot of the leaders that we work with too, about this idea of not switching on and off, but switching from on to recharge, because many of our listeners and the leaders that we work with at Top 5, they're not motivated by switching off and there's always more work to be done. So the idea of actually switching to recharge can is something that is far more accessible and um, practical as well for people. 
So what led you, Claire, to, are you talking about your values a lot? And I guess I'm curious, what led you to recognise the power of setting values and using those to guide your leadership? That's a great question about um, values and leadership because I think for me, I you know, I am very values driven, but I didn't know that early in my earlier in my career. But I think through really good coaching and mentoring and learning so much from people around me, I recognized reasonably early on the things that mattered to me and within myself and I've always been a person that doesn't separate off like you know my home and personal life from my work life and from my friend life I really all believe that well you're one person living one life and easier to do that if you're clear what matters to you and you can then bring that to your relationships and to your work. So one of the reasons that I'm super privileged to work at Life Without Barriers is because the values of the organization align so beautifully to my own personal values. And I've been able to shape that um, in my leadership role at the organization, um, which just means that I can bring truly bring my best self to my job and in turn hopefully that impacts really positively across the community and now that I kind of do my work this way as I get a bit older and um, you know I'm not um, not kind of 20 anymore so as I get a little bit older I get stronger and stronger in that and I hope that's a good thing I hope that it's a sign that I'm getting stronger and more confident not sort of stuck in my ways and realizing that um, the more you can do what is right for you inside your own kind of value base, the, the, the better um, value you'll bring to the other people around you as well. Yeah, thank you. And I can assure you from what I know about your reputation and the way you are a super collaborator with many different organisations, both government and community and, and more, that you're certainly not stuck in your ways because you wouldn't be known as a super collaborator if you if you were stuck in your ways and you wouldn't be able to be creating the historical decisions and influence that you've been able to as well. So it sounds like you've really found the right way to to play with those strengths and values. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure my children hear this podcast so they can hear you say that. <laughs> uh, Claire, the work that you and your team do could be described as some of the most important, but also some of the toughest work at all. And I know for many, it must feel like the work's actually never done. And I'm, I'm just curious, if you could only share three things with growing leaders in this space or leaders that maybe need to be seen and heard right now, what, what would you share? Yeah, um, look, I think people that have had the joy and privilege of long careers in this industry ought to share insights with emerging leaders and um, because, uh, you know, I've been really privileged to have that happen as I've had my career. So the first thing I would say to um, leaders and um, kind of in this sector would be to be super focused on purpose and not to be distracted by all of the busyness and the white noise. The sector is because it's about people and emotion. It can become very emotionally um, taxing, but also there's lots of lots of crises or issues to get distracted by. 
why. So I think it, it, leaders in this space more than ever have got to be really focused on your purpose, what it's all about and what we're here to do. Second point would be, and you know, I sound like a broken record, but as you can hear, it's all about partnership and relationships because no one can really change the world or achieve the most important things by themselves. We really can only do that with other people in a collective. So the the quicker we all get in the business of partnering um, in those relationships, the bigger change and improvement we'll be able to achieve. And the last piece I would say to upcoming leaders is that I do sometimes experience leaders that think as you come up the hierarchy, life gets a little bit easier and you get some sense of entitlement to such. And I would say back there that it's the opposite. For me, the further the further kind of up the chain, for want of better language, or the further up the hierarchy or more senior you become, the less it's actually about you. And the more you've got to remember that actually you need to use that influence for the people that you're here to serve, for the people on the front line and your staff and your carers and your partners. So I think the, I think it's almost the opposite from you know what some people assume. And, and I constantly say to myself and to the board even and to my senior leaders, we have to remember that actually we may be what people see as at the top of the tree, but it's not about us. And we have to use what we've been given for the benefit of others. Oh, how powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like I'm sitting up taller in my seat having heard you say that. Um, I'm sure lots of other listeners are really going to really have a lot to digest with that too. So at Top 5, we we talk about uh, how positive thinking is really a bit boring and inaccessible and something that we really believe in and instead is helpful, encouraging and productive thinking or the most helpful, encouraging and productive mindset that we can bring And I guess with that in mind, I'm curious, Claire, what do you think is most helpful, encouraging and productive for people to be able to remember right now as we we head out of a pretty bumpy couple of years and into something new? Firstly, I'd just comment on your language that you just used there is fantastic. I love that language around healthy and, and, you know, helpful and productive. It is, and I, I like language that's inclusive. You know, if we've got language that's too far away from people to reach, you know, it really isn't motivating at all. So I just, I love that language you're using. For me, I think, when I think about things that would want people to remember, I think it would be around trust. For one of the big things that's actually difficult in a large organization, as you say, you know, I'm I'm trusting more than 12,000 people to try to do the right thing by the people that we serve and we support every single day across this country. And I have to trust them to all do their jobs they possibly can, and they have to trust me too. So I think one of the things I learned through COVID is even in a large organization where sometimes the temptation is to kind of tighten controls and get a bit bureaucratic. At the end of the day, the thing that we're the magic happens is actually where we trust each other more as colleagues. So that would be my first piece. And the second point that I'd love people to remember is that as leaders, we have to find that tricky and yet important sweet spot between recognizing where people are when they are feeling lonely or scared or worried or sad or just low in energy, recognizing where they are and somehow giving them just enough of a glimpse of what's possible, what's next, that it's going to be okay and that this moment will pass 
to support them to move through that moment. That's a difficult sweet spot to find, but being good at it, I helps, I think helps us as leaders make sense of the world for people and helps them then go on their own journey. It sounds like it's a, a beautiful combination of validating and seeing people where they're at and also giving them sparks of hope. Lastly, Claire, you've, you've already touched on this a little, but when you think about the last couple of years and the lessons that you and your team have learnt, what do you think you'll enjoy taking forward? So undoubtedly for me, the thing that I will take forward from the last 18 months above all else is that we learned as an organisation to be more open about how much we care about each other. We care about our clients and we care about each other. And the power that came from that was phenomenal. And when we then go back to, you know, endemic days or whatever happens after this pandemic time, I do not want to lose that because that is something very special and helped us achieve really amazing things, very special things over the last 18 months. So for me, we've dialed up the care, the open care across this organization, and I love it and I never want it to go back. Incredible. What a place to work. And all of the rumours are true about this wonderful woman, Claire Robbs, and the way that she leads. And, and I have it on good authority that many people refer back to years and years after working for you, Claire, as that you were one of the most instrumental people in their lives and careers. And I think our listeners will totally understand why after listening to what you've shared with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. I've just totally loved it. Well, there you have it, Claire Robbs, another incredibly generous leader. Claire talked about holding hope and Tanya Armstrong in our last episode talked about this as well. And I'm really curious about this intersection between using mindset and resilience to hold hope for ourselves and one another as well. Claire also chatted about recognizing where people are at and validating that and giving them that glimpse of hope. And this idea of being able to hold hope for one another, it sounds nice, but it actually is really powerful. In fact, if I was stranded on a desert island and I could only have bought a handful of things with me, I would have undoubtedly bought soda water, mint slices, a bit of hope, and a bunch of neuroscience. And I really think that those are incredible power combo. Not, of course, the soda water and mint slices, but the hope and the neuroscience are incredible. It's not that so I could sit on that beach feeling blissful and blessed while being stranded. It's actually about survival. Because if you were really stranded on a desert island, then you'd probably be reeling with a negativity bias. You'd be dialed into the worst case scenario. And when you're stuck on a desert island, one of the things you most want is control over that situation. And there's a perceived sense of relief that we can feel when we focus all of our attention on the worst case scenario or all of the different scenarios. It can make us feel really prepared, like we know what's going to happen next and like we're in control. But your brain is tricking you because you can't control being stuck on an island no matter how many ways you look at it, that's the situation that you're in. And while you're focusing your attention on the worst case scenario, you can forget the bigger picture and miss the things that are right in front of you. And in my view, hope combined with neuroscience is about harnessing your brain to see things differently. 
Because when we're spinning our wheels and procrastinating and overthinking things outside of our control or whether like the last couple of years we've been settling into the uncertainty of what COVID's brought to many of our lives, it feels like things are out of control and we want to be able to problem solve. It's really maybe it's time to really harness hope and neuroscience to get better results during any change. At Top 5, we use hope and neuroscience and resilience to help your team see things differently and solve problems even when they feel like they're marooned on a desert island. This stuff is not a nice idea. You know, the idea of holding hope, it might be a nice idea and something that you get around to one day when you're not as busy. But we actually believe that it is a must in your survival kit. Hope is individual and it comes from each of us. And when you're generating it, it's not just for yourself, but it's also something for your team and those around you. As a leader, you do it for yourself. And while you can support your team and give others a bit of hope or hold them momentarily in some hope, you just can't impose a deep sense of hopefulness or purpose on someone else. So how do you manage the need for individuals to have that purpose and work together as a collective? Well, you can give them tools and an experience collectively together so that they know how to generate over and over and over again their own sources of hope, their own sources of resilience, the things that are going to personally work for them. The conversations in this series have been another incredible opportunity for people and these leaders to take us behind closed doors and share with us those things, those intimate things that work for them individually. And each of them have also shared that what works for them won't necessarily work for someone else. So while you really want everyone in your team to have hope, what you really want is for each of them to know how to generate it, know how to regenerate it and the things that will work individually for them. In our work, even when a team is really struggling, there's often at least one person who has hope. In many cases, it's the leaders, but sometimes it's not. When people reach out to us, they often have hope, you know, and they invite us to work alongside them to bring that hope neuroscience and the practical work applications so they can turn hope into a powerful tool for their teams. Because a hopeful bunch of individuals can become a pretty powerful collective, and that's what we do. If you feel hope, it's because you could believe that things could be different and you can see another way or believe there must be a better way. And that's not a lack of hope. That's maybe just a bit of uncertainty about what to do with it. And maybe that's why you're listening. So if your team needs to freshen up their survival kit for results and also sanity, then there's a link in the show notes if you want to book a time with our team. Let's have a chat about what that could look like. But in the meantime, I'm going to head back and listen to Claire Robbs, the CEO of Life Without Barriers, and her wonderful tips on purpose, trust, values, relationships, and of course, hope. Again, there's so much gold in this episode. Claire, thank you so much for your time. The world is absolutely a better place because of leaders like you. As we wrap, I want to say a big thank you to all of the generous leaders and their teams out there making a difference in our world. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation from the country where this podcast is produced. And of course, I want to say thank you to you, our listeners. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. 
And if you're ready to start building your team's resilience or to help them reset, refuel and recharge, head on over to top5movement.com and see what we have to offer. Wishing you the strongest mental health, mindset and resilience as you head into the rest of your day. Have a cracking day.